bless your children. We rejoice in that, Lord. Please open our hearts and our ears to listen to what you would have to say to us this morning. In your name, amen. Thank you for singing with us. You may be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to Northridge. We're glad to have you here. Um, just so that we know a couple of things, uh, we are not normally packed together like sardines uh, every Sunday. We normally do have our two services uh, so that we, uh, as you can tell, if we did this every Sunday, we would not have room for new people, for people to come in and, and find a seat just quickly and easily. And that would be an issue uh, because we always are open uh, to new people coming in and checking things out and finding out what it means to follow God through a relationship with Jesus. So those of you who are here uh, brand new for the first time, your first time guests, I know many of you, I've met some of you, I didn't meet all of you, um, but we're glad to have you here. Welcome to Northridge. Um, and I just want to kind of preface, uh, Tanya was up here and she gave, uh, she did a phenomenal job trying to sift through a hundred thousand things that are going on or that we're doing. Um, so one thing, the reason why there was such a list is because we feel very strongly that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. The physical, literal hands and feet, like the action steps of God. And so when things like hurricanes and earthquakes happen, in fact, uh, a member of my family had to fly down because they weren't sure, they couldn't find uh, his dad uh, in Mexico. Uh, he was lost for a couple of days. And so, I mean, this impacts everybody. And those people that were impacted, it's very specifically in the hurricanes and the earthquakes, and there's a lot of stuff going on. And so we can offer hope and love and grace and help to them. And so that's what the buckets are for. That's what Operation Christmas Child is all about. We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I get excited about that. I hope that all of you do too, because uh, that's what we're about. So we are in the middle of a series called Why? And uh, this series, very simply, we're asking the big questions of life. Uh, why are we here? What is, it, what is the meaning of life? What, what does it mean? What is our purpose? And so we're asking those questions. But today, of course, the big question that we are talking about, the big question that we're going to ask is really two parts. We're going to ask, what first is baptism? What is it? Right? You guys have heard of it. Maybe you've seen it happen before. Probably some of you have never seen a baptism like we're going to do at the end of the service today. But, but we're going to do that. And so we're going to answer the question first in the message today. What is baptism? What in the world is it? I mean, we know kind of has to do with water and we kind of dunk people and all kind of stuff. But what really is baptism? And then the second question that we're going to answer is why baptism? Why is it important? Is it important? Does, is, does God really command that we should all get baptized if we're followers of Christ? So we're going to ask, ask those two questions. We're going to try to answer those two questions. What is baptism and why should we get baptized? So let's tackle the first question first. What is baptism? Where very simply, baptism is, is really one of the greatest things that God has, has come up with us for us to do. It's one of the greatest things. And the people getting baptized today, I talked to you guys about this. There's, there's no greater thing that God came up that he said, hey, you, you get to do this when you accept Christ. It's an amazing thing. It's one of, the, one of my favorite things to even be a part of or witness or see or just experience. But, but for the people getting baptized today, they know the significance of this because we talked about it, but we're going to talk even more about it today. But what baptism is, what is it really? 
Well, we know practically speaking, it's when we take somebody, we dunk them under the water, right? So that's, that's the easy answer. Like, yeah, I know what baptism is. It's when you get everybody all soaking wet in their normal clothes. It's kind of weird, right? But that's what you do, right? So that's, yes, that's practically what baptism is. But what is it really? When we're doing baptism, what is it? Let's answer that question. Well, very practically, beyond just getting all wet, okay, what baptism is, 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 is a, it is a public and an outward expression or symbol of something that has already happened on the inside. Something that has happened in your soul. Okay? So this is something, that, this is not, baptism does not actually do anything particular in terms of salvation. Okay? We're going we're gonna to actually talk about this when we talk about why baptism. Okay? You'll understand why we need to get baptized, not only the importance, but why we even should do it. But what is baptism? Baptism is very simply an outward public expression of something that has already happened within themselves. These people have accepted Christ. They've put their hope and trust and faith in Jesus. And when they did that, Jesus, the Bible says that their sins are forgiven. Their sins are washed away. Baptism is very simply when they show everybody else something that they already know in their heart has already happened. That's what baptism is. And so when we baptize, it is simply an outward expression of something that has already happened within them. Now, so when you see that, you'll know what baptism is. So if you say, if somebody asks you today, hey, I was at a baptism service at Northridge Church. Really cool. Uh, so you, did you sprinkle the water? You did that? No, they dunked them under the water. and They were all soaking wet. It was crazy. It was hot, you know. I mean, usually it's cold, so we'll take the other side. You know, it's going to be good. I made the water a little bit cooler, by the way, today. All right, so we're good. All right, so you're not going to sweat as much, maybe. Right? But we're going to have a great time. But when they ask you that, you can simply say, it is when a follower of Christ declares to the world, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm all in. And this is already something that's happened, but I just wanted to show it. And that's what baptism is. Now, the bigger question today is why? Why should we get baptized? Why should followers of Christ Get baptized. Why do we do believers' baptism? When, when somebody accepts Christ, why do we say that it's important that when they make that choice, that decision to follow Jesus, that it's important that they get baptized? Why do we even do this? Well, I want to answer that question with three reasons. These are not the only reasons. In fact, you're going to hear a few other reasons probably today from some video testimonies of the people getting baptized. There's other personal reasons. There's things that God leads them to this. But these are three biblical reasons. Like if you would put it on there and say the top three reasons, these would be the top three. These are biblical God-ordained reasons why he says we need to get baptized. All right? So I'm going to give you three of them. The first one is this. It's very simple because Jesus says so. All right? I know. That's a funny way to say it, but that's just the truth. Why should we get baptized? Because Jesus says you need to. Jesus says you need to get baptized. I don't know of a greater example than that. So Jesus says so. In fact, um, let me kind of go to after Jesus dies on the cross and he resurrects from the grave, right? He dies on the cross for our sins. Then he's put in the tomb. Then he raises from the tomb. He conquers sin and death. There's not a lot of hope in a God, by the way, that can't conquer death, right? 
And so he conquers sin and death when he resurrects from the grave. So he dies on the cross, resurrects from the grave. And then for 40 days, Jesus is seen by the disciples and hundreds and hundreds of other people all over the place. Okay? And so for 40 days, there's, there's this time where Jesus is seen by so many people and he does some more teaching and all that kind of stuff. And then we come to the end of that 40 days and Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. And Jesus is talking with his disciples and a whole bunch of other people. And he has some final words. And I want to share just one verse. These are not all of Jesus' final words, but one verse that include his final words. This is what it is. Matthew 28, 19. He says, Jesus' words, Go and make disciples of all the nations. What that means is everybody, every person, regardless of their background. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So you're going to hear the verbiage today. When we baptize, the ones getting baptized today out in the back of the village center here, we're going to dunk them under the water and we're going to say their name and we're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know why we do that? Because Jesus tells us to. He said, that's how you do it. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're going to do today. So Jesus' words, these are Jesus' final commands. Now, I know we know that if there is an expert in the room on something, it's probably good to listen to that person, right? Man, woman, whoever it is, whatever it is. For example, let me give you a practical example of this, of how important these words from Jesus are. Let's say that I'm a quarterback on a football team, okay? Laughable, I know. (laughs) You guys are like, wow, this is (laughs) far-fetched. I get it, but just run with me, all right? Let's say that I'm a quarterback on a football team and and I want to be the absolute best quarterback I can be. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to get stronger. I want to be able to see the field. I want to be able to hit the uh, receivers in stride, whether it's a slant route, a post route, a flag route, whatever it is. I want to hit them. I want to be the best quarterback I can be. I want my team to love me. I want to be good. I want to be a good teammate, but I want to be the best quarterback I can be. And so I'm in a room and I, I have an opportunity to sit down with, let's say, just say Aaron Rodgers, who knows something about Hugh being, right? about being a quarterback, and, and, he, and he and I are talking, and, and he and I have just this few minutes with Aaron Rodgers, right? And, and, so, and so I say, ask Aaron Rodgers, you know, what, what are some, like, the top three things? What, what would you say I need to do if I were to become an elite quarterback, like, to become the best that I can possibly be? Well, whatever Aaron Rodgers says, I should probably listen, Right? Because if somebody is a quarterback, and we could talk, we could throw Tom Brady in there and all that, but we wouldn't want to do that. I mean, really, right? I mean, there are some other experts out there, I guess, but whatever, okay? So, but let's just say I'm there, and I'm talking to him, and he gives me, like, the top three, the top five things that I need to do. That he says, this will make you a phenomenal quarterback. It'll be the best that you can possibly be if you do these things. Don't you think that it would probably be a good idea for me to listen to him? Absolutely. So I want you to take Aaron Rodgers' authority and expertise, and I want you to multiply it by thousands. And then I want you to change the topic from football to just life. We're describing the expert at all life, and that is Jesus. And so when Jesus gives his final words, I think they're pretty important. They don't get bigger than this. And some people, they ignore God's word. They could care less. They don't get into this. Let me just tell you, if you want to succeed at life, and I'm not saying like live in the biggest mansion. It's not the success I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about if you want to have peace and joy and unparalleled amazement in your life, then you'll listen to the words of God, the words of Jesus, who is the expert of all experts. And so Jesus says, hey, you need to get baptized and you need to also help other people get baptized. You need to point people to God and then you need to baptize them and and you need to get baptized yourself. That's what Jesus is talking about. So that's the first reason. The first reason we should get baptized is Jesus says so. Jesus says so. And if people ask you, why'd you get baptized? You can just say that. Ah, Jesus says so. They'll be like, that's weird. It'll open up the door and then you can talk from there, right? And then you'll have to remember everything else that we talked about today, right? You're like, oh, that's a, Jesus says so. Just uh, stick with that, right? But there's another reason. The second reason is this. We need to follow the examples. Follow the examples. The Bible gives us unbelievable amount of examples about baptism. So let me just kind of set this up. In, in the book of Acts, this happens after Jesus dies on the cross, raises from the grave, and then ascends to heaven 40 days later. So the, the book of Acts is everything that happens just after Jesus ascends to heaven and the first early spread of Christianity. Okay, when they're spreading the love and the message of Christ, that's what the book of Acts is about. So in the book of Acts, we have tons and tons and tons of examples of people getting baptized. But I just chose three. I want to share three with you. Okay, let me set up the first one. First one is Jesus sends to heaven, all this stuff's happening, and the disciples and a whole bunch of people, we're talking thousands of people. Okay, think about this. They just heard that this guy died on a cross for their sins. Then he was buried for three days. And then he rose from the grave, he's now alive, and he was truly the son of God, and he died for their sins. Now, that doesn't happen every day. I don't know if you know that. This is a, this is a big deal. And so tons, thousands of people have discovered this, and so they're all gathering around the disciples, and they're ready to learn about this Jesus. And so they're all here, and the Holy Spirit comes, and all this weird stuff starts happening. And so somebody needs to come get up and make sense of this. And so you know who gets up? Peter. The apostle Peter, the disciple Peter, he gets up and guess what he's going to do? He does what any good pastor would do. He starts preaching. He starts preaching his first sermon. And he starts telling them, hey, this is who Jesus is. You need to accept Jesus. You need to repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus because that's what he died for. And he preaches this great sermon and something amazing happens at the end of his sermon. Let me just read it. Acts 2 Verse 41, this is recorded what happens. Those who believed what Peter said at the end of his sermon were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. (laughs) That's a pretty good first sermon, right? I've got nothing on Peter, I can tell you that, right? Peter is ridiculous. He's amazing, all right? Peter Peter gets up, he preaches his first sermon, and 3,000 people accept Christ and receive forgiveness for their sins. And guess what they do? Immediately they're like, okay, let's go find some water. Let's get this done. I don't know how long that took, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they did it like in groups, right? Like get the 12 disciples, let's do 12 at a time. Next, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, quick, let's go. Father, Son, Holy right? Because it's going to take a few hours. 3,000 people get baptized that day. It's an amazing day. Second example, there's this guy named Philip. Fast forward a few chapters forward. In fact, we listed it wrong. I was the one that gave it wrong. The person who printed him was not wrong. I was wrong. Acts chapter 8, not Acts chapter 6, but Acts chapter 8. There's this guy named Philip. He's walking along the road, and God speaks clearly to Philip. 
Okay, I don't know if it's audible or if he just knew that God was telling him to do this. And there's this carriage going along the road, and God says, go walk next to that carriage. That's weird, by the way, right? That's kind of like God telling you to go tap on somebody's window at the stoplight, right? Uh, God, no, just do it. What? I'm not doing that. Like, they're, they're going to, no. Philip walks along this carriage. Guess what? Inside this carriage is this really important guy. An Ethiopian eunuch. He's, he's not in Ethiopia. He's thousands of miles from home. He's in this carriage. And guess what he's reading? He's trying to read. He's got the Bible open. And he's reading the Bible in this carriage. And Philip's like, wow, he's reading the Bible. And so Philip knows what he's supposed to do. God told him to walk next to it because of this. And he looks in and he says, hey, uh, so I noticed you're reading the Bible. And, and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And basically, I'm paraphrasing here, a lot of paraphrasing. The Ethiopian basically says, this eunuch says, uh, no, I have no idea what I'm reading. How can I understand unless somebody tells me what's going on here? I'm trying to read it, but I have no clue. And Philip's like, okay. And so the guy's like, do you know what he's talking about? Philip says, yeah, I do know something about this. Okay, why don't you hop in? And he invites him into the carriage. And so Philip proceeds to tell him all about Jesus, how he died on the cross for his sins. And if he accepts Jesus into his life, that his sins will be forgiven and they have unparalleled joy and peace in his life. And guess what? This Ethiopian eunuch, he accepts Christ in his carriage on the roadside as they're going along the road, right? And then, then I want to read what happens because this is really cool. This is probably sometime later, maybe a few miles down the road. I don't know. But Acts chapter 8, verse 36. As they rode along, they came to some water. <laughs> and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. I mean, can you imagine? So Philip leads this guy to Christ. He accepts Jesus, and then this, this guy, Philip didn't even do this. This guy sees over there, he's like, there's some water over there. And by the way, water right off the side of the road, I can't imagine this was like really nice, pristine, right? This is off the side of the road. Have you seen the water that's off the side of the interstate? suspect, okay? And he's like, hey, look, there's some water. Why don't we get baptized? And he does this in front of everybody that's there in the carriage too. And everybody going up and down the road. He's just like, I don't care. And they go down and Philip baptizes him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amazing. Last example, still in the book of Acts. Fast forward to chapter 16. Paul and Silas, they're in jail. They're in prison. They were locked up in prison because they were sharing the love of Jesus with people all over the place. And there's this slave girl. She was owned as a slave, okay? And and her masters were using her. She was possessed by demons. She was possessed by evil. And so she was able to tell people's future because of this. And Paul and Silas, they, they free this slave girl from the evil that was basically destroying her life. And the slave girl is unbelievable in in her freedom. She was so ecstatic and all this stuff. But the masters who owned her, they're ticked. They're mad because they just lost their income. And so they stir up trouble against Paul and Silas, even though they did nothing wrong, nothing against, uh, no crime at all. And they throw them into prison. And so now Paul and Silas, it's in the middle of the night, okay? It's like midnight or somewhere around there. And it's the middle of the night. And Paul and Silas are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, exactly what God wants them to do. They're singing and they're praying. 
How many of you would be like that? You get thrown into prison. You're not even supposed to be there. You're totally innocent. And God has you thrown into prison. Well, God didn't have you thrown into prison, but you're doing God's work. And you're thrown into prison. And how many of you would be like, God, thank you. You're awesome. Let's sing some worship songs, man. I love being in here even though I'm innocent. It's great. That's what Paul and Silas were doing. They're praying, they're singing worship songs, they're singing hymns to God and they're praying and all of a sudden God sends an earthquake, you know, shakes the prison, breaks open the doors, they fall off the hinges, all kind of stuff and now they are free. If they want to run, they can get out. It's pretty easy. The jailer is not right next to their cell. He's down the way somewhere around the corner. Who knows? What, maybe even fell asleep, okay? But the jailer's there and so the jailer runs in thinking, oh, I am done, I am fired at least. I might even have my life ended because of this because I didn't do my job. The prisoners are for sure, they're gone. And he looks into the cell and Paul and Silas are still there praying and singing. And he's going, you had the opportunity to leave the, the jail, like to escape. It was easy. All he had to do was run out. You're gone. I wouldn't have known where you were. He's thinking, these, there's something different about these guys. There's something different with these guys. And so the jailer starts asking questions, and guess what? He's so intrigued by these two guys and their love for Jesus that he actually takes both of them. He leaves the prison. Okay, get this. This is, I don't know if anybody would do this. This is unbelievable. And he takes these two guys who were in prison. They were convicts in prison, and he's the jailer. And he takes them, and he takes them to his private home in the middle of the night, right? He wakes up his family Okay, his kids and everything. I don't know if, if you're parents and you have kids like elementary school age or down, especially babies, like they're sleeping. You don't mess with that stuff. Like that is like blessings from heaven, right? But he does, he goes in there, he wakes everybody up. He's like, guys, you need, we need to talk to Paul and Silas here. You, you won't believe it. You need to talk. And so they all sit, the whole family sits down and Paul and, and the jailer says, so tell us how we can be saved. Tell us how we can get salvation from sins because clearly you guys have it. And so Paul and Silas begin to share the love of Jesus with them and how he died on the cross and all that. And guess what? happens. Let me just read it. Acts chapter 16, verses 31 through 33. They replied, Paul and Silas replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. If they accept Jesus, everyone in your household can be saved. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. That's an awesome middle of the night thing. His entire family accepts Jesus. And then Paul and Silas say, hey, next thing we need to do, we need to get it done. Let's get baptized. They're like, okay, let's do it. And they get baptized. So Jesus says so. And we need to follow the examples of what are in the Bible again and again and again. There's a clear progression. Accept Jesus, get baptized. Follow Jesus, get baptized. Accept Christ, walk with God, get baptized. Again and again and again. But then there's one more reason. A third reason I want to give you. This last reason may not make sense right away, but you'll understand once we get into it. The third reason is because we are in the family. We're in the family. What do I mean by that? 
What I mean by that is the Bible is very clear about a lot of things. And one thing that is exceptionally clear in God's word in the Bible is that he, God, has invited every one of us, every one of you, to have a relationship with him, to be a child of God, to be in his family. He's invited every single person on this planet to have a relationship with him. It's not that the offer is not there. It's just that sometimes there's a lot of people that reject it, that push it away. But the offer's always been there. It always will be there. Jesus has made the offer. The offer is here. I want you to be part of my family. In fact, Pastor Rick Warren says something that really stings a little bit, but is also very true and is also very powerful. And he says basically this, paraphrases his quote. He says, every person is created by God but not every person is a child of God. Every person is created by God, but not every person is a child of God. Because to become a child of God, remember that verse that we just sang right before the message here? I am a child of God. The way that you become a child of God is to accept the salvation that Jesus has offered to you. So what does being in the family have to do with baptism? The answer to that is everything. Because what baptism is, this is kind of going full circle now, all the way back to the beginning when we said, what is baptism? Remember what I said, what baptism is? This is all full circle now. What baptism is, is simply an outward expression of something that has already happened. When you accept Christ, you become part of God's family. You become a child of God. Then what you do is when you get baptized, it is an outward expression of something that's already happened. Now, here's why it's important. And it's because we're in the family. What baptism does is it tells everyone that you know, everyone that is there, Everyone that is possibly available, like today, there's a lot of people here. It's telling everybody that you possibly can that I am not ashamed of the fact that I walk with Jesus. It is a point where you say, I am not going to be ashamed of the family that I'm a part of. I'm not ashamed of being a child of God. I am willing to follow Jesus and I'm willing to put myself out there and make this public. That's what baptism is. It is a public expression and saying, I am no longer ashamed of being a follower of Christ. I don't want, I'm not going to hide it. It's not going to be a secret thing. It's not going to be something that I talk about with just my close friends. It's something that I want everybody to know. I've accepted the forgiveness of Jesus. I'm a child of God. I'm in the family and I am not ashamed of it. It's a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. And I would just challenge you I would just challenge you. If you've never gotten baptized, and I'm not, I'm not talking baby stuff here. That wasn't your choice. I'm not saying that wasn't important. If you've never gotten baptized, ask yourself why. Hopefully it's not because you're ashamed. Because we cannot be ashamed of the name or the family of God, the name of Jesus. We need to be public and bold about it and excited about it and celebrate it. That's why in a moment when we go out here and we baptize the people that are getting baptized, we're going to hoop and holler. We're going to cheer louder than we ever have with an Aaron Rodgers touchdown. You know why? Because it's way bigger than any touchdown of any team I could name. This is a big deal. 
This is the touchdown of all touchdowns. Because this is people saying, I am no longer ashamed. I am not ashamed. I am all in with Jesus. I am good. And they're making it public. One final thing. If you're still a little skeptical that baptism is kind of a big deal and pretty important for you to do. One final thing. Jesus is our example. Most people realize this. Maybe some of us don't. But Jesus himself got baptized. Do you realize that? The Son of God, the one who is God himself, the one who has existed before time began, Jesus himself actually got baptized. Let me just read the account uh, where this starts to happen, and then we'll unpack it for a minute. Matthew three thirteen and 14. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Get John's response here. This is funny. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Okay, let me just pause for a minute there. This, this, I get John at this point. I get John here, okay? Because if Jesus shows up and like, okay, this is what's happening. John is there. He's sharing the love of Jesus with people. And then when they accept Christ, he's like, okay, so now you need to get baptized. They're like, we need to do what? Yeah, I need to dunk you under the water. All right, okay, cool, let's do it. And, and, dunk it. and he's baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, he's baptizing them. And then Jesus himself walks up and he says, Hey, John, I need you to baptize me. I don't know about you, but if I'm John, I'm the same way. I'm like, uh, oh, no, <laughs> no, no. I mean, there's no way I can baptize you, Jesus. I, I'm baptizing in your name. Like, we're baptizing for you. You need to be the one to baptize me. I, I am not, I'm nothing here. Right? And this is what John says. But listen to what Jesus says in response to him. I love this. Verses 15 through 17. But Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires. Did you catch that? God required Jesus himself to be baptized. I think if there's anybody that could probably get by without getting baptized, it was probably Jesus. He was perfect, remember? He never even made a mistake. And yet, God said, this is everything that is required. You need to get baptized. Now catch what happens. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And listen to this. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. You notice what God says to Jesus and what God says to all of us who get baptized? He says, this is somebody who I'm very proud of. They are not ashamed of me. They love me. They're following me and they're getting baptized. This is a good day. And this is what God says to all of us when we choose to obey what God tells us to do. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So in a moment, in a few moments, when we go out and and we do our baptisms, this verse, let's leave that verse up there for a minute, this verse is physically what we're doing. Okay, We are physically representing this verse and saying that this has happened for these people. So when you see the people standing before you, they're going to be in normal clothes. They're not like in their swimsuits, right? 
because they're going to be in their normal clothes. It's, it signifies that this is how life has been. This is the old way of life. This is the old me. This is before I came to follow Jesus. This is the old life. It's what we normally see. And then we dunk them under the water. We baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that signifies that water, it's going to come up and over and wash over every part of them. And they're going to come back up. Okay, but when they do, when they're under that water, that signifies the washing that Jesus does of our sins when we accept Christ. When we accept Jesus on the cross and his death and resurrection, he washes our sins away. He gives us forgiveness for our sins. And then you come back up. And they look a little bit different than before they went under. And that's, that's intentional. Because when they come back up, everything looks different. And the reason is because it signifies that this is a new reality now. This is a new life for them. From when before they accepted Christ, it was the old life, and now it's the new life. And so we are physically representing this as we baptize. So this is a big deal. The first step is to accept Christ. The second step is to get baptized. Accept Christ. Get baptized. Those are the two big things right away. So maybe you're here and you are wondering what it looks like to get baptized. Maybe some of you wished now you would have made that choice. I know I've felt that way sometimes different things that God has told me to do and I realize I didn't do it and I need to get back to it. If you have questions about baptism, if you want to get baptized, you realize, man, I put it off and I need to do it. I should have done it today. You can put it on a connect card. You can come ask me personally. You can send us an email this week, whatever you want to do, let us know. And if we have to do another baptism tomorrow or, or next Sunday in between the services or what, we'll figure it out. I don't care. We'll find some water and we'll get it done. Right? If we need a couple of big buckets and, you know, whatever. Because if we need to obey the word of God and we need to obey Jesus. And if he says, hey, you accept Christ and you find forgiveness of sins, but then you need to go public with it. You need to go real with it and you need to get baptized. If you're ready to do that, we'll, we'll find a way to do that. Okay? But you ask. But some of you, if you've never accepted Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. For anybody in here, maybe you knew this was true as soon as we started talking today. If there's anybody in here who has never accepted Jesus, they've never actually taken that step to pray the prayer or to make the decision, make the choice to follow Christ, They've never actually um, accepted the invitation to be a child of God, to be part of the family. It's always been there. The invitation's always been there, but they've never just taken that step. If there's anybody in here who wants to take that step, everybody, eyes closed, heads down, anybody in here, I want you to just, you're going to have to do something bold because it takes a lot. You need need to show that you're going to commit to Christ. I want you to just uh, slip up your hand real quick. I'm the only one looking around. Anybody in here who has never accepted Christ that wants to accept Christ? Thank you. Anyone? Anyone else? Need to accept accept Jesus? 
and the salvation that he offers. Thank you. For anybody else in here, still eyes down, heads bowed, that you know you want to get baptized. You feel like you, you should have chosen to maybe do it today, but you just maybe weren't ready, scared of it, whatever the case was. But you want to get baptized. Some point in the future, maybe sooner than later. Okay? Anybody in here, allow God to speak to your heart. Decide now. Decide now what you're going to take, what step you're going to take to get baptized. Don't walk out of here without a plan as to who you're going to talk to, how you're going to get that done. And we are willing to help connect you and help do that if you want. So Lord Jesus, I pray for everybody here today. I thank you for this opportunity to witness one of the greatest things that we'll ever witness, and that is to see people commit their lives to you, but not only that, but to make it public today. That they are getting baptized in your name. There is no greater thing. So God, as we do this, as we, as we celebrate the people who have given their lives to you and are ready to go public with it, I pray that you would do amazing things for them when you bless them in amazing and mighty ways. And may you help us to be loud and celebrate and clap and hoop and holler because we are so excited about this commitment. This is a big deal, Jesus, and we get it. We acknowledge it. We thank you for making us the command to do this. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So what we're going to do now is we're going to kind of turn the corner a little bit. Um, what we're going to do first is we're going to show uh, the video testimonies of the ones getting baptized. You're going to want to hear their, their story and why they want to get baptized. But then I'll get back up. I'll give you a few instructions because we have to kind of do this in somewhat order, uh, orderly fashion. And uh, we'll get everybody outside and then we're going we're gonna to baptize, all right? So first, take a look at the video testimonies here. And, uh, and this is going to be pretty awesome. And then I'll get back up and we'll give some instructions, all right? So enjoy. My name's Elsa, and the reason I want to be baptized is because I want to show people that I believe in Christ and I've accepted him into my heart. My name is Emma, and I want to be baptized because I want to show other people that I believe in Christ so I can live in heaven with God and Jesus. My name is Kenneth. I want to be baptized because I believe that Jesus died on the cross and he took away sin so we could have a new life. My name is Isabel McKellar, and I want to be baptized because I want to be closer to Christ, and I want everyone to know that I've accepted Christ. I'm Mark Kane. Um, I've been uh, coming to Northridge Church for about a year now, um, and really wanted to um, get baptized again. It's been, um, I was baptized when I was... Um, a kid, I was, I, you know, I was Catholic, and uh, that wasn't my decision, um, really. And Carrie and I have talked about it, my wife, and we decided that it would be a, a great thing, um, just that outward, um, you know, 
that commitment to show that we, uh, you know, we, you know, accept Jesus as our Savior. And um, really, after last week's uh, sermon, it was just it was awesome with the fidget spinner and recalibrating your center and all that. Um, since I'm an engineer, that made perfect sense to me, and so um, wanted to uh, make that commitment and get baptized. Hi, my name is Carrie Kane. And um, my husband and I both attend here at Northridge Church. And recently we have had the opportunity to be able to get baptized. So um, it was funny because both of us had the opportunity and we took it at the same time. And it's just one of those things where um, we just knew it was a God-ordained thing. It was the timing and it was time for it to happen. Both of us were baptized as babies and now we choose to be baptized as adults, and we're kind of excited to be able to do that together. Um, one of the things um, that I look, and me personally, why I choose to be baptized is um, an outwardly expression and my my faithfulness to God. Um, it, he has blessed us with so many things in our family and our lives that this is one little token that I think I can give back to God. Um, and I, as an example too, when my husband and I were married, we were brought together in a marriage ceremony and I feel like that was a choice for us to be married. Well, today getting baptized is a choice and being brought together in unity with, with God. I am a child of God and I'm really excited to be baptized. Um, one of the other reasons is, um, for my children too, just to, you know, when they're older and they make that decision in their lives that they can look back and they can see that this was a pretty cool thing that mom and dad are doing together. And so that's kind of one of the main reasons, too, for our children. So that's why I choose to get baptized. Let's give them a hand.